You're tuning into Parenting Naked Collaborative, navigating the celebrations and challenges of parenting. Hello, welcome back to Parenting Naked Collaborative. Today we are going to be talking to dads once again. We're really excited to have Travis back and then we have a new member, um, Sean, and he is going to be trying to remember his experience with his wife who um, had postpartum when she after she had both of her children. So we're excited to have you both and we also have Danan Moore and Gretchen Levy in the room. Hello. Good morning or afternoon, depends on when you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I just wanted to start us off with a couple of statistics about postpartum depression. Um, So postpartum depression impacts one in nine women, um, and 50% of women who have postpartum go undiagnosed, um, which I thought was interesting. Um, Also an interesting statistic is that the partners of women with postpartum are two times more likely to develop depression. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look at it, there's a lot of us out there who have had it or are experiencing it right now that may not know the symptoms. Um, I had a friend over probably about two weeks ago and she has two small children and I had asked her if she wanted to be part of the postpartum depression talk that we're going to have with women. And she um, had a really hard time with postpartum with both of her kids. It was so bad her first experience with her first pregnancy that she almost decided to not have a second child because she said it was so bad. Mm -hmm. The thing for her that was hard was that she is in the medical field. She said it took her a really long time to even recognize her own symptoms and how bad it was. And then she was embarrassed that she was suffering from it. So then she didn't want to go get help because, I don't know, maybe she thought she was above it, that she wasn't going to get it just because she was a physician. Um, So it was really interesting. And I asked her if she wanted to be a part of the podcast and she said no. It's amazing how many people have said no to talking about this because there's Mm -hmm. just so much energy around it. And my hope is that we can just start normalizing it because, man, look at those statistics. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if we can start talking about it and having this conversation and normalizing, it's okay. Even spouses have experienced it. I think even there's a sadness, and you guys can talk more around watching your spouse being so sad Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out how do you help that or they're not acknowledging that they're as sad as what you're witnessing or they're more lethargic than what they're really kind of acknowledging or other symptoms that you may see. So my hope is just that we can start normalizing this and saying, okay, if you have any of these symptoms or spouses, if you're noticing that your spouse is having these symptoms, can you join in on the next doctor's visit and say, look, and I'm worried about my spouse. And I think she may not see it the way that I'm seeing it. And can we talk about ways to help her and ways to support her um, in those visits? Because we need mm-hmm. support when we're going through it. Right. Yeah. But I think, too, there's scientific reasoning behind the experience of postpartum depression that if we could kind of get past the stigma of talking about it, saying, I have postpartum, asking for help, let's just know there is a reason behind it. It's not the way our bodies are functioning. It's not something we've done. It's not that we're inferior or less than something there is science to back up that postpartum happens. Mm-hmm. And so let's just get rid of this 
misnomer or, you know, stigma that we can't talk about postpartum. Yeah, I think so much of that stigma exists too because just because you're feeling sad, withdrawn, irritable does not mean you don't love your baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so those things become like so intersected, right? Like that we, we feel like we can't admit that we're struggling because this is supposed to be a glorious, glowing experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just, that's just yeah. not the reality. Yeah. And I want to tandem onto that. Just because we're experiencing it doesn't mean that we don't love our spouse anymore. Yes. Because mm-hmm. that's what I'm also hearing from males uh, saying, I, I feel like I was non-existent when baby came. I felt like all of her attention now went on to the baby and I was being ignored. And so what we bring into parenthood, like if we already have depression, if we already have anxiety, we already have other mental health concerns or needs, we're bringing that in with the baby, with the pregnancy, with the family. And so I think if we know that going in, we can really be proactive of, okay, I know that I already suffer from depression. I know I already suffer from anxiety. I know that when I feel this way, I cave in and I push everyone out. So if I know that, let's talk about it. So spouses, if you see me doing it, come forward and say, I'm seeing you doing it. Like, let's help pull you out because it's just going to be exacerbated with all the hormones coming in. It's going to feel bigger. It's going to feel heavier. And -hmm. our spouses may be feel more pushed out during that time. And we may not even be aware that we're doing it. So it's like, okay, (laughs) it's happening. Let's, you know, let's go support one another. And add to that stress Mm -hmm. and sleep deprivation. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then, you know, if you're breastfeeding too, you know, you've got that added pressure of, you know, if your body is not producing in the way that you need it to or want it to, that is just even heavier on top of everything else. So um, are you guys ready to jump in? Travis and Sean, if you could please just tell us about your experience uh, witnessing your spouse having postpartum. How did you know? What symptoms were you seeing? And how did it impact you? Okay. Well, you know, my, my son now is nine. Uh, when we were pregnant, um, you know, we went through a number of different classes about the birth, and and uh, we were just so excited to get in the room ready and everything. And I don't remember postpartum even being a conversation that was had with with friends or or any of our uh, birthing classes or anything. It may have been mentioned, but I think just the excitement of the of the birth may have just clouded that. So I never researched anything about postpartum. I don't believe that my wife did either and while she was pregnant I didn't really notice anything you know she was still working you know she'd come home tired it all seemed pretty normal and then after my son was born she you know she had a c-section so there was a a, a lot that went along with that um her you know her milk wasn't coming in like she had hoped so there was some struggle with that and and so she started to develop a little bit of frustration, and she was a little bit stubborn about giving him formula, and and she she really just wanted you know to have that whole experience of being able to breastfeed and be able to take care of him, and and that's something that wasn't going to happen. Did she suffer with depression prior to that that you were aware of? She did, but she was really good at it kind of keeping it low-key 
Um, so she was managing it. Yeah, she was she was managing it at the time, and <laughs> and um, so as we went through when we brought our son home and started running into the little different things, um, my wife didn't suffer. I don't know what the the normal symptoms of postpartum depression was, but the way that hers kind of generated was, I you know I said she had a suitcase of nevers, and mm -hmm. so everything was he's never going to walk, you know, he's never going to crawl, he's never going to eat by himself, he's never going to talk, and it was really weird, you know, that wasn't a part of my wife, you know, so seeing that, I didn't really understand what yeah. was going on, but it, it, she just always come across as, this this just isn't going to happen, and and so for me, it I had to, I took on a lot, um, everything was, you know, preparing the meals, taking care of the baby and it became just too much because you know managing the household and then also trying to deal with uh, my wife's just negative you know where she was at at that point and trying to always uplift her spirits. How was that for you? I mean did it feel like a lot when you would see her just feeling down or feeling defeated or feeling like hopeless of he's never going to do this like what was going on for you? Were you feeling frustrated? Were you feeling worried? I mean, I would imagine there was a, a mixed bag of emotions for you as well. Yeah, I think for me, it was a lot I didn't understand. And so I was a little bit frustrated. I didn't know where she was coming from. You know, I'm like, I'm trying to help. I tried to get her to try to help me understand why do you think this? You know, how how are you coming up with, with these different things? And so you know for me it was it was more a level of frustration and and almost kind of defeated you know because you're you're trying to talk to your partner and and you know we were married i think 6 years before we had our son so the conversations that we had to work through our differences and our arguments and and, and challenging situations you know always produced a result and now i'm in this situation where we're having conversations about these things that are coming up and there's no end result. It mm -hmm. still ended on a negative note and I don't know what to do. And, and so for me, postpartum depression didn't even come into play. And what finally kind of brought it out was this went on for a year and my stress level just kept increasing and increasing and increasing. And finally it was to the point where physically I couldn't handle it anymore. Like I felt my body shutting down because mm -hmm. it was so stressed and mm -hmm. I finally told my wife I said look we have to figure this out or I have to leave I says because oh, I'm wow. gonna die mm -hmm. I literally could not I had was having difficulty breathing I could feel my heart pounding I was just taking it internally so much and so she reached out and even talked to her mom and her mom was like well I suspected maybe that's what you had but she never said anything. Mm -hmm. And so that put me over the top. I was I like, like that. wow, that was really difficult to hear. So she, you know, she went to the doctor and she got help. They got her back on track. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, it was, it took a while. It took yeah. a couple of years to get myself back in order. So mm -hmm. it really took... Not just the, the frustration, but a physical toll on my body. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting, too, because statistically, postpartum can start anytime from the moment you 
give birth even prior to that. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of women who don't start experiencing it until six months after baby, a year after baby. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting because you're saying it took a couple, almost a year or two into it and your body took such a toll because you felt like you were kind of compensating for both of you, really kind of taking a role for all three of you because she was struggling so bad with all of it to a point where you finally had to put a line in the sand saying, I can't do this anymore. You, we need to go get help. Yeah. It was interesting because, you know, I hear other people talking about how, you know, the mother and the baby just connected so much, you know, Mm -hmm. and for us, it was the opposite. Uh, my wife and son didn't build that connection right away. He built it, it towards me. Wow. And so I mm-hmm. had that first initial closeness. And and then she, you know, had some resentment towards that because mm-hmm. she's like, I'm the one who's, you know, supposed to be close. And so mm-hmm. it was it was a little bit of a reverse. Mm-hmm. So those first couple years, he was always looking to me. And then it did make a change, uh, you know, when she started getting through her postpartum depression, they really built a strong connection. And now I would say that their connection is stronger than what I have. It's amazing those mirroring neurons, right? You know, we, we hear that terminology, mirroring neurons, quite often. And, you know, I think there are times when moms do feel blocked or they feel guilt or shame or embarrassment that they cannot connect with their baby. And so I'm on some level, I think baby can probably feel that and mm-hmm. feel like, whoa, whoa, why can't I get this from this person? So I'm going to get it to go to whoever is open for that experience. And mm-hmm. the nice thing is that any caregiver can provide that for a baby. So there's a lot of people who think, oh, I'm harming my baby. I'm messing up with the attachment. And that's just not the truth. If moms can't give it to baby at first their spouses can, you know, you can be that person and, um, you know, what a, a brilliant and lovely thing that that is that if we can't, because we, um, are unintentionally, uh, you know, blocking that energy because we're going through depression or anxiety, what a gift it is to be able to hand baby over to spouse and say, this baby needs you and I need you until I can get back on track. And then I'm going to come step back in and do the best that I can with that. Yeah, and you know, it's it's funny that we talk about that because on the way here, I was listening to the radio and they were doing a news report about, I think it's in Britain, they have what are, what are called cuddlers. Mm-hmm. And have you guys heard of cuddlers? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, that's the first time I'd ever heard of it. And I thought, that is amazing. So, you know, when you've got um, like a premature birth of, of a child and say the parents aren't able to be there with that child 24-7, you know, they've got to work, maybe they have other children at home, they have cuddlers at the hospital that will hold those babies mm-hmm. and sing to them and talk to them, mm-hmm. and they've proven that it actually helps babies get better, and it doesn't have to be the parent that mm-hmm. provides that love for them. Mm-hmm. They just need that connection. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was pretty amazing because they did share a story about twins that were born and one was doing really well and the other one wasn't and so they were I think one was two pounds and one was four and the four pound baby was doing good so they were putting a lot of their attention into the two pound baby well that baby started doing better but then the four pound baby started to 
to turn and, and, and started to die and um, they couldn't figure out why and so the, the parents started spending more time with that one because the doctor's like you need to come down here spend some time with your baby we don't think the baby's gonna make it wow. and so they just spent a lot of time touching and mm -hmm. you know they couldn't hold the baby it was so fragile but they spent a lot of time holding its foot or its hand and stuff and the baby just started to to get better mm -hmm. wow. and yeah. they both survived it was yeah. just an amazing story yeah well babies suffer from failure to thrive and you know a lot of that can be due to not being touched so much because of medical reasons, right? So mm -hmm. you can touch their little foot or their little hand. It's so important for that human connection because we need touch. All of us do, even as adults, we need touch. And, uh, you know, I think we need to hold that true. When you see anybody suffering, even touching their arm and saying, I'm here, that warmth and energy is mm -hmm. right there saying, okay, we can do this together. You're not alone. But what a sweet story, cuddlers. Yeah, <laughs> I want to be a cuddler. Yeah, I want to be a cuddler. Let's go do it. Let's go sign up for it. Uh, Travis, thank you. And I'm sure that other memories will pop up as we continue this discussion. But, Sean, we're going to have you jump in. And I know it's been a long time since you have seen Danan in this phase of her life. But she remembers it pretty acutely. And, uh, you know, I'm... Curious <laughs> about what your experience that you can recall. I know that I, I keep emphasizing that you can recall because it passes. It does. So again, there's so much hope of if you are struggling with postpartum depression and anxiety, it gets better. And it not only gets better, but sometimes it loses so much energy that you can't recall it. It's like, oh, I know mm -hmm. that I have it. So <laughs> yeah. there's hope. Keep pushing through. You've got this. And I would like to hear Sean's experience. And don't worry, I she's sitting right next to a therapist, so if it's <laughs> hard, That's right. I can jump in in whatever way I need to. Got it. Well, I'm Sean, and I have a 16-year-old and an 18-year-old, so it has been a long time. You know, postpartum, we weren't expecting it. It happened. The biggest thing that I remember um, is what can I do to make it better? It was my guilt. Did I do something wrong? Have we had children and maybe we shouldn't have right now? We didn't have a lot of family support, so not having that family support kind of hurt as well. We just knew we were in it and we had to win it. Um, and, you know, it was tough at the beginning and there was sleepless nights and there was, you know, we had issues with our son um, breastfeeding um, the first one, and um, so it was just getting through all that and, and making sense out of it. How old were you guys when you, because you two were fairly young, you guys made a mm -hmm. decision to have children a lot younger. Yeah. I was 27, mm -hmm. 27, 28, mm -hmm. so yeah. very young. We just dove right in, so. But we got Danon to the doctor and got her help that way, and it took um just as travis said it took several years to get through it <laughs> mm -hmm. and i mean life has its ups and downs all the way through as long as you have a strong connection and you make it the best you can make it then you move forward with that what mm -hmm. kinds of things were you noticing with Danan? like prior to pregnancy was she bubbly was she really fun i mean what was her personality like in the beginning, and how do you think you saw it change? Because obviously it changed quite a bit 
she recalls feeling like, oh my gosh, this isn't me. What's going on? And, and did you notice that too? I, I noticed it pretty much right away. So it was, it was night and day. Um, we were both busy people prior to having children and it just got busier with having children. But I noticed it right away. So what kinds of things did you notice? Just withdrawn. She was withdrawn, didn't want to didn't want to do anything, was frustrated. Not a lot of joy. So How did that impact you? Again, it felt like I failed. I mean, I was the failure. I didn't I wasn't able to make her happy and, you know, you can't make somebody happy if they're not happy. But what could I do to make things better? And did you feel like there was nothing that you could do? I mean, when you approached Anand, do you feel like you were met with resistance or anger or leave me alone? Or were you met with tears? You know, there was definitely tears there. And I just tried to support her. Did I go through depression during that time? Absolutely. I mean, it was like, what did we do? Um, well, it was, and with our second child, that was even more dramatic. Yes, second child was a lot worse. Um, second child was uh, not a walk in the park. He uh, didn't sleep for more than two hours a night oh, at one geez. time. Mm-hmm. Um, was up. <sighs> all normally, the parents in the room were like, <gasps> I mean, we're all parents. Yeah. We're like, oh, God. <laughs> normally, <laughs> normally, it was like every hour that he would wake up screaming. And it, we thought it was never going to end. Saw the doctors uh, on that. Uh-huh. We weren't getting sleep. We were just constantly going. And then after 18 months of that, then he finally started to sleep. What? Did you ever get an explanation? Like, No. My second had colic, and I'm wondering, did... They couldn't figure it out. No. Later on, past infanthood and toddlerhood, Carter, at age five, we took him through therapy and occupational therapy and then it was determined our delivery with Carter was so quick that that caused trauma with his inner ears created issues with equilibrium and you know without getting too technical too scientific here we probably could attribute that whatever that did during his quick labor and delivery is why he probably was so colicky and so difficult. But he, he just was a difficult baby from week two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a Thanksgiving. That's that so night. Wow. That night it started. That's we had a relative say, oh, he's so great. <laughs> he's yeah. such, he's a, good such a good baby. And that night on for 18 <laughs> months was not so great. Oh, that <laughs> definitely magnified the depression experience, though, for sure. Yeah. One and Danon and I both worked opposite schedules, so it was I just had to do whatever I needed to do to take care of the children, mm-hmm. and and trust. You know, I didn't. I don't believe that I went to the doctor with Danon, but trust that Danon was getting the help that she needed to get mm-hmm. to feel better. Well, in that experience, you know, not to dive into another topic, but I experienced the trauma of um, the loss of my biological mother mm-hmm. when Carter was oh, yeah. uh, an infant. Mm-hmm. And so we had layers on top of the postpartum depression that one could like never expect to experience. And then when that happens, you just don't, you don't know which way's up or which way's down. 
And so, like Sean said, we did work opposite schedules. I worked nights. He worked days. We were just doing what we could to take care of the kids. And that's when I not only went to the doctor for um, depression medication, but then I did engage with a therapist and really kind of had to dive deep into some personal issues in order to kind of get through that whole mm-hmm. layer mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. you know, added <laughs> stress and trauma. Well, and I think that we were, um, I mean, we were both kind of stressed. We wanted to, I had older parents, and we wanted to have grandchildren for them um, early, before they were gone. And um, and so we really kind of pushed to move forward and, and have children early and get it out of the way. Pop and, them out fast. Yeah, pop them out. <laughs> Just pop those babies it out. Like you literally did. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> Luckily, the doctor had a mitt. <laughs> Baseball mitt. Oh, got it. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> During that time, did you two feel like your marriage was at risk? Did you, t- I mean, Travis, I know that you said that you kind of hit this wall. But was there like another layer of feeling like, man, I don't, I don't know if they, if they don't go get help and they don't try to help the situation, I feel like I just can't do it anymore because I'm in so much pain. Did you ever experience any of that or do you feel like I was in it? No, I definitely got to that point um, after a year where I felt like if I remained in the relationship at the status quo, I, I wouldn't survive. So for my own survival, I felt like I had to, I, I would have, was going to have to leave. Mm-hmm. So she had, you know, become, um, she was just so different, mm-hmm. you know, and I know, you know, now she was struggling with so much. and But yeah, it, it got to the point where physically and emotionally, I, I couldn't be in, in that situation anymore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was I was willing to, do what I needed to yeah. for my own survival. I, on the other hand, I don't think that I ever felt that way. I think that there's times that maybe Danon felt like just running away, <laughs> but I'm speaking for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, like I said, I'm in it to win it. Mm-hmm. Um, make it happen. We'll figure it out. Come up with a solution to the problem yeah. and not just mask it. Yeah. Um, so, well, and I think that there's um, different ways to to look at this experience, and I really appreciate Travis your honesty with that because um, speaking to uh, with other men in my practice, um, I have worked with uh, Dad for a while now, who his girlfriend had suffered postpartum, and he knew it was coming. They knew it was coming. She had had two children prior. And she had warned him, I suffer from postpartum. And they were getting ready to have their child together. And when the third child came, his first with her, um, it was so bad. He didn't expect it, even though he knew it was coming. And he not only left her, but before he left her, he cheated on her. Because he felt so disconnected and he felt like she wasn't giving him what he also needed so he had these expectations of not only is she going to have postpartum but she needed to take care of the baby and him because he had his own unmet attachment needs during that time 
And he feels so much remorse and guilt over the whole thing because the moment he stepped out of that partnership with somebody else, he knew that he had just destroyed uh, his spouse even more. Were they and able to get through it? No, unfortunate. I mean, they, mm. they plowed through it for a good year, and she had so much resentment that she was like, you've got to leave. Like, yeah. you knew this was coming. We tried to do everything. But for him, he, he was like, I can't take it. He felt hurt he felt like she was choosing herself over baby over him and he just had no understanding of it so he you know made these really poor choices that in the long term has really negatively impacted him and impacted their relationship they're not together anymore um but I think that happens quite a bit you know so you you see your partner suffering and you internalize it on some level going well they just don't love me anymore or you feel so much physical pain that you know you may and you didn't I'm just saying that you reached this point but how brave of you to to talk about it out loud to her of like here's where I am yeah and I, I can't do this anymore. And to be the catalyst for <clears throat> change. And help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for her to mm-hmm. truly be able to get a sense of where you were coming from. It took that, but that's what pushed it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we had, you know, had a, a lot of discussions leading up to that. You know, this you know, something's not right. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to talk to somebody about what you're going through and and she, you know, she's a stubborn woman. And so, um, you know, it just it just didn't happen. And that's when it got to that point, you know, because I really wanted her to get help. I was like, this isn't normal. You're not yourself. And she, you know, was just very resistant to that. And, and then I reached that point, And then finally we were able to, uh, able to, to, you know, get that, get her, you know, with some treatment and, and some help and and everything now you know it's fantastic mm-hmm. do you two ever talk about where you were at like now nine years later do you two ever revisit that conversation and say gosh look at how far we've come or would you have handled it differently or would you have done the exact same thing yeah that's a good question i guess maybe we have had some conversation about where we were at and how long it's taken and to get just back to a normal routine you know we talk about a lot of things but that that's something we really haven't it's just one of those moments in our lives and I don't think we've we've really brought it back up I think it's buried it's it is Mm -hmm. we kind of kind of buried that one and just wanted to to move on through it so um we, you know, we've, we've had enough challenges after that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I know some of that does come up sometimes, and it's it's one of those things that, you know, even just being married, you you think about what you say in a moment, you know, because it, it, you, you can't take it back, and mm-hmm. it's always remembered. And in conversations and conflicts that, that come up again, sometimes that stuff is rehashed. So I know some of those events um, have come back up and, and we've, we've talked through those. Um, but, you know, if, if I was to look back at that, and I know situations that come up now, I always caution myself, watch what, what I say. You know, be honest, be open, but be careful. Mm-hmm. You know, because 
what whatever is said either to me to her or her to me doesn't go away you know Mm -hmm. it's always there and it it can always come back up Mm -hmm. and so we approach each other I mean we grew a lot out of it you know we we approach each other differently when we have conflict now more understanding more empathy more understanding more empathy and and just not strike out of anger, mm-hmm. you know, because those words, if you didn't mean them, it doesn't matter. You yeah. still said it. Yeah. And it's, uh, out it's, it's out there and yeah. it doesn't go away. Yeah. You know, and I think that's another topic to come is emotional regulation, right? And that filter and when do you need it? You need it all the time. <laughs> How do you recognize when your filter is so thin that, you know, you could, you could lash out and say something so devastating that you can't take back? I yeah. think a good takeaway just from hearing you guys have the courage to share about your experiences would be for um, partners out there to know, like, if you're noticing these changes with your loved one, acknowledge it. Like, you know, don't be so afraid that you're going to sort of create more disruption by sort of mirroring what you're seeing and, and saying, you know, I think you need some help. I think we need some help. This this isn't how you normally function. Um you know, because I think in my experience, I think my husband just sort of like tucked his head down and got through it. But I think in a lot of ways in hearing your experiences, we could have grown from it if he had maybe had, I think he was just afraid of me. Honestly, <laughs> I think he was terrified of me and he was just like, wow, well, I can't wait till this wraps up because she's <laughs> awful. But I don't think he felt like he could necessarily approach me about it. Um and I wonder how it could have been different if he had. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of it has to come with, when you have children, when you have a relationship, you just have to have open communication and know that going into it. Like, okay, if I'm not feeling good, I'm going to tell you. Or, mm-hmm. you know, this is, I'm in pain. This is, you know, not hide it. Um, I've had personal times where I've been in, I've had medical issues where I was in a lot of pain and I just hid it away. Um, and my loved ones reached out and said, what's going on? You need to get help. So it goes both ways. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's not just postpartum. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a fact of life. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's open communication. I totally get where you're going with Travis with, um, watching what you say mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you know you said exactly the opposite like if he had just had courage to you yeah. know combat it well you have to be careful yeah because yeah. one person telling another person that they're crazy Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe filter that. <laughs> you guys talk to your yeah. buddies about my wife is crazy, uh, and then or it's come like back and say, "Sweetie." Or I mean, going through depression, or going through yes. a, something yes. that's not, not so yourself. cool. You're yeah. not yourself. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but if you tell that to your wife, that can that can reverse itself pretty mm-hmm. darn quickly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't imagine the experience makes you feel crazy, right? That whole thing. Oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I did not experience very much postpartum depression, but I did anxiety. And I remember with Zoe, my first, like two weeks after Zoe was born, Travis is going to laugh, we're such go-getters. We, Our family's on the go all the time. And, of course, <laughs> Randall was like, let's go to Lafayette Days And I thought, okay, that'll be fine. And so we got to Lafayette Days, and my sister teaches in Lafayette. And so she was there with a whole bunch of her students. And I just remember pushing Zoe in the stroller, and there was probably 
10 students that crowded around the stroller and for me it was like there was a million people around that stroller and they're all touching it Zoe and I freaked the fuck out like not a little like I started having trouble breathing I started crying hysterically and literally hid behind my husband like buried my face in his back and his shirt crying and I remember I mean like what are you doing like what are you doing and I was like we gotta go we gotta go so he very nicely was like you guys all need to back up and we're gonna go and we went around the corner and I just sobbed and I know he just sat there quietly like okay this time will pass but looking at that experience, he was like, I just didn't know what the fuck was going on. Like, (laughs) I didn't know what was going on with you. Like, we were all having a good time. Everyone was looking at the baby. And for me, I was just like, you guys are smothering her. You're smothering me. Like, back up. I don't know any of you. visual on her. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it it was total crazy making. And for Randall, he was just like, I don't don't know what to do. Uh, The best I can do is just get get you and the baby out of the crowd and let's go, which was so supportive and helpful. But, yeah, I mean, it's just those experiences, and they come at you so quickly. It's this huge wave, and you don't know where it came from. You don't know how to make it stop. And it's not typical of mm -mm. you. Yeah. It's not anything you've ever experienced before. Yeah. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that experience has made your relationship stronger? Danan and Sean. I don't know. I mean, I think it's probably created better open communication. I, when Sean and I first met, went through a nine-month phase of depression that I had never experienced in my life. And, well, actually, when we first got married. And so we didn't know what that was. It was so unusual. But then when it crept up as postpartum depression, now kind of living our daily lives, I've experienced depression past having new children and going through postpartum that we have better communication. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, now I know my life is just going to probably include some episodes of depression where we just have to have that communication or it's really quick or easy for someone to assume it's something I'm doing or it's their Mm -hmm. fault. So I would say the quick answer is it's probably created better communication on my part to just speak up and say this is not you again this Mm -hmm. is something I'm experiencing Mm -hmm. and this is what it feels like and this is what I'm trying to do to fix it I'm aware of it too Mm -hmm. right yeah and then Gretchen I know that you had said that you are kind of coming out of it right Mm -hmm. now because you have a little at Mm -hmm. home as well how do you feel like your relationship is with Adam I mean, better definitely that we're not in the throes of the new baby stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're in a hard phase. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great phase, but it's a really hard phase. Um, I think our ability to connect is is really impacted by chasing around a four-year-old and two-year-old. And, yeah. you know, we threw into that mix building a new house mm-hmm. and moving twice. So... <laughs> That certainly didn't help, um, adding layers of stressors on. I look forward to a, a brighter future in our marriage. Yeah. I think now is just kind of a rough patch. Mm-hmm. I think he'd say the same. Yeah. Um, you know, the communication obviously is something that comes out of it that's, you know, that's really great. You know, you, you learn to communicate on a whole other level. I think the part that is difficult is, um, you know, you have this 
rhythm of life and this great fantasy bubble that you're living in before the child's born and and that pops mm -hmm. and then trying to I think reconnect after that happens is is a struggle because before there was this level of trust and your your willingness to just lay your feelings down and and just be one with your partner and I know that after this happened there's there's a guard up now there's a fear of reconnecting at that same level that we had when we were first married, you know, or before our child was born. And we've been fighting really hard to, to get that back, um, but it's it's been a long process. I think it's easy to lose sight of who your partner is, right? Like, because you were connected in this way before children that's totally different. Like, yeah, different then, priorities. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, it's like, okay, well, you're so you do these roles and I do these roles mm -hmm. and he puts a lot of pressure on himself about the finances of maintaining our household and our family. And, and he, sh he stuffs all that. He won't share it with me. And he continually says like, because there's no point in me sharing it with you. It doesn't get any better. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> it doesn't go away. Like there's no solution I can offer him. So therefore it's like, I don't want mean to turn this into a couples therapy session either, but I think you just, you're, you, you, you change focus. Like you said, the priorities are different. It's like, I'm super focused on, you know, keeping the house clean, making sure the kids have the right clothes, making sure that, um, I've thought about what we're going to have for dinner, you know, like right. whereas before it was like, what show are we going to watch tonight? Yeah. <laughs> you want yeah. carry out? Where should we yeah. order from? Like, mm -hmm. so different. So different. Yeah. <laughs> if Sean and I can add just a little bit of light on that, because mm -hmm. we're at the other end of the spectrum here, there's hope, right? You do disconnect for, it, it's on and off. It ebbs and flows. But now that we're kind of nearing our first son graduating and kind of taking that next step towards his independence, we're beginning to have this whole new look on our relationship and how do we reshape it and having that open discussion, right? We could stuff it and just see what happens, but we know it's coming. We know it's going to change. Mm -hmm. We've put so much of our heart and soul and energy into the boys, less in us because it's just kind of what nature did. Mm -hmm. So now we're kind of excited about the idea of what's our next phase. How do we mm -hmm. get to reconnect as a couple before mm -hmm. we had the kids, you know, kind mm -hmm. of going back to those newlywed years um, free, what do yeah. we get to do <laughs> so it's coming if that yeah. makes you know anyone happy out there that's listening it is coming and you know and that's not saying raising children is awful it's just it's, <laughs> it's a different phase it's a yeah. totally different phase yeah uh, it's more of a shared experience mm -hmm. versus that individual experience where you know when it's just you two you take off whenever you want. Yeah. You know, you do whatever you want. Yeah. You build those those memories, and all, you know, individually. And now you've got a family to consider, and you can't do those same things you would do, you know. And it's a shared experience, which is fantastic, but it doesn't build as deep as it used to. Mm -hmm. Well, we really appreciate this open discussion around postpartum because it's not an easy one mm -hmm. at all for anyone to really talk about unless you are going to advocate for people to get more support. I mean, there's obviously women out there who are being more vocal and writing books and talking about it, but it's nice to have just everyday people instead of hearing it from celebrities 
um, even though all of our experiences are probably all very similar. So um, we really, really appreciate you guys coming in and talking about it because there's so many layers to it. And, you know, the more we talk about it, the more we normalize it and the more people will feel comfortable going, gosh, I need to talk to my spouse or I just need to reach out to a next door neighbor or to my friends or you know, anything else that we may need to push through it because it does get better. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. That concludes our episode for today. Thank you for listening to Parenting Naked Collaborative. To learn more about the Parenting Naked Collaborative, follow us at Parenting Naked on Facebook or visit us on the web at www.parentingnaked.com.